Good morning, afternoon, evening, whatever time of day it is. Merry Christmas, or <laughs> actually, it's the day after Christmas, so I guess we could call this Happy Boxing Day, Happy St. Stephen's Day, Happy Second Day of Christmas if you're a traditional 12 Days of Christmas person. So based on whatever your methods of celebration are and your traditions, this could be any number of in America, it's just the day after Christmas, and many people had to go back to work, but some are on vacation and, and are off. I happen to be off today, and so I'm putting together this low fidelity. We're not, I'm not using the studio mic or anything like that. I'm just recording off my laptop. So this is a low fidelity, kind of on-the-fly production. But as promised, I'm going to do a recap of Advent, sort of explaining the 25 days and why I chose the scriptures and the method that I put them out. This year I chose to just do a reading. This is the first year I've done Advent, and I decided to just do a reading each day. Short scripture reading with no commentary and no devotional, no nothing. But I had a plan. There was a method to the madness. So on day one of Advent, I chose to read Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, <laughs> why did I start at the beginning? Because as Maria sang in uh, The Sound of Music, the beginning is a good place to start. Anyway, so the beginning is Genesis 1-1. We begin with God. Everything begins with God. He is the author of creation. And as such, he is sovereign. So we look at what he chose to do. He created the heaven and the earth. He didn't have to create anything. He's self-sustaining, self-sufficient, all-knowing, and he needs nothing. For he's in communion with himself in the form of the Trinity. So... Why did he choose to create us? To share who he is. To love us, to be loved by us, to be worshipped by us, because he's God. Verses 24 through 31 of Genesis uh, is day six of creation. And in that time, on that day, he creates mankind. So with the creation of Adam, we have that. Uh, I went to Genesis 2, verses 1 through 3, and verses 15 through 24, as a follow-up to that, that's the second account of creation and the creation of man and woman, planting them in the Garden of Eden and giving them their, their, their marching orders, what their job was to do, to tend the garden, to be fruitful, to multiply, to subdue the earth and all that was in it. Now, their failure, their sin, leads us into Advent Day 2. For December 2nd, I read chapter 3, verses 1 through 24, the account of the fall of man. So that chapter, our reading chapter three, was important. We have God as creator, sustainer of life, and then we have him beginning the plan of redemption. And since it is actually the first messianic prophecy as well, the seed of the woman destroying the seed of the serpent. Okay, that is the beginning of the scarlet thread throughout the history of the Bible with the beginning of Messiah's promise. The first promise is that the woman will have a seed. Now, Women don't bear seed. Women produce the eggs inside their ovum, and they are impregnated, implanted with a seed, and that comes from the man. But in this case, it's the seed of the woman. That's supernatural. That's a precursor. That's letting you know. That's a prophecy of the virgin birth, even before that term is even used. So I thought that was important to, to go there. On day three, I went to Genesis chapter 11, verses 10 through 31. And Genesis 12, 1 through 3, Genesis 13, 14 through 18. Why? Because it was the signaling, the singling out of Abram, who would be renamed Abraham. I, I went through 
the Semitic line, the descendants of Shem, Noah's son, went down through there until we got to Terah and Abram, his brother, his nephew, Lot, etc. And then God calls Abram out to a land that he will show him. Then in day four, on December 4th, I began the Abrahamic Covenant. So Abrahamic Covenant Part 1 was the subtitle, and this was Genesis chapter 15, verse 1 through 21, showing the accounts through day 5, which was Genesis 16, 1 through 16, and that was Abrahamic Covenant Part 2. Day 6, Genesis 17, 1 through 27, that was Abrahamic Covenant Part 3. Day 7, Genesis 18, 1 through 15, and 21, 1 through 8, that was the Abrahamic Covenant Part 4. Finally, on day 8, December 8th, I, I read Genesis 21, verses 9 through 21, 22, verses 1 through 24, 25, verses 1 through 34, to discuss Isaac, the son of promise. So that's Abrahamic Covenant, part 5. Why did I choose to do this block the way I did? Well, it was to narrow it down, narrow the focus of redemption. God's plan of redemption went first from the fall of man, God himself provides a sacrifice by, by putting skins on them and covering their nakedness. That's obviously the first sacrifice. It doesn't specifically say God killed animals, but where did he get the skins for the animals? So he killed the animals and, sh and taught them that the shedding of blood was how there would be a remission of sin. He bars the gate, sends the angel out to have this flaming sword going each way. The cherubim is guarding the, the, the gateway to the, to the tree of life. So we're not allowed to return to the tree of life, mankind, because of the fall. So man is allowed to die. And you see all these generations until we get down to Abraham. Through Abraham, God promises to bless all nations through his offspring. And he promises him a son through his wife, Sarah. Now, Abram listens to his wife and Sarah comes up, devises a plan for him to go into the, her handmaid and, they were, and Hagar. And they were going to have a son that way so that Sarah didn't think she could give birth. She didn't believe God. And they got in the way of God's plan, and they decided to do it their way. And when we try to do things our way, we mess things up for ourselves. And hence you have Ishmael and the whole line of, of nations that we descend from him. Um, from Isaac, we get Jacob and Esau through his wife, Rachel. I mean, I'm sorry, through his wife, Rebecca. Rachel is, is the second wife of Jacob, his son. So uh, on, on day nine... I read Isaac's blessing of Jacob. So Jacob supplants the elder brother, Esau, also called Edom, where he was read. I read from Genesis 27, verses 1 through 46. I read from Genesis 27. And also, as I followed through Jacob, I broke down how he had the problems with his brother Esau. They were eventually, they reconnected, but there was always problems between their offspring. They would always war with each other, the Edomites. Esau's descendants versus the, the children of Israel, which is Jacob's other name. And then when we got to day 12, I began to take a different turn. We began to get into more prophecy. So before that, though, when Jacob blesses his 12 sons, he gives a particular blessing to Judah and tells him he will be a, a king. And from him will come Shiloh. Shiloh is another name for the Messiah, the promised one. And Shiloh's kingdom is everlasting. So Shiloh is yet another messianic name. So we have more focus 
First we had Abram, then we had it through Isaac, then we had it through Jacob, or Israel, and now we have it through his son Judah. So from Judah is going to come the Messiah. Now, I took a little detour from that on day 12 to read from Deuteronomy 18, verse 15 through 19, and reiterate it through Matthew 21, verses 45 and 46, Acts chapter 3, verse 17, chapter 7, 35 through 38, and the Gospel of John 6, 14, 15, and 7, 40 through 44, which was to show that the Messiah would be a prophet, and he would be thought of as being like unto Moses. So, leader, a prophet, the promised one of God would be like Moses. And you, you read in Deuteronomy where Moses says through God that God says he's going to bring one up from out of their own midst that would be like him and would be a prophet. And that prophet's going to lead them and going to bring provide salvation for them. So we're narrowing the scope again. Now, beginning in day 13, I started the Davidic covenant part one. Started with David's anointing, 1 Samuel 16, 1 through 13, then 2 Samuel 2, 1 through 7, 5, and verse, chapter 5, 1 through 5. So we see David get anointed to be king as, as, as prophecy during the time of Saul. And then we have David placed on the throne of Judah and then on the throne of the United Kingdoms of Israel and Judah. Uh, the Davidic Covenant Part 2, 2 Samuel 7, 8 through 29. Day 15 was Davidic Covenant Part 3, Psalm 89, 1 through 37. I chose to read that psalm because it is, it is clearly a messianic prophecy and it is clearly stating that a seed of David was going to sit on David's throne for all eternity and so I wanted to communicate the aspect that now we've narrowed it down to this descendant of Judah from the, the son of Jesse David and then David's going to have a son and from that son there's going to be the Messiah. I could have gone in a lot of different directions with this. There's some interesting things that happens in the in the Old Testament such as when Jeconiah also because Jehoiakim uh, is cursed and sent off to Babylon. And God declares in the heavens that no man descended from him will sit on David's throne. If you'll note, the, the genealogy I chose to read this year for Messiah's birth was from Matthew. And the reason I chose Matthew's account is because Matthew is so much about the messianic prophecy fulfillment. And so many of the prophecies that I read out of the Old Testament this year were then fulfilled in the Gospel of Matthew. And there's so many more I could have read. Uh, I chose not to. So many accounts in Isaiah. Narrowing the scope of Isaiah alone was incredible because there were so many things in Isaiah, beginning in chapters 6 and 7 and going through, that I could have read uh, just to cover Messianic prophecy. And I chose not to do it. I had to keep it brief in order to get to where I needed to be by Christmas Eve. And by Christmas Eve, I wanted to be reading the New Testament accounts. So I decided to go ahead through, and on the 17th day, I decided to give us, in the Davidic Covenant Part 5, I gave us David's last psalm, as it's recorded in 2 Samuel 23, verses 1-7. through 7. I read the account of David's death from 1 Kings chapter 2, verses 1-4, through 4, and verses 10-12. through 12. And, and I, I wanted to do that on purpose because David himself was not the Messiah, but he was a foreshadowing. He was called a man after God's own heart. But the difference between... First Adam and the second Adam. The first Adam fell from grace. The second Adam is grace. The first David uh, was a man of, of blood who, who also fell into sin, even though he was a man after God's own heart. The second David, the son of David, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, would sit on the throne for all eternity. 
He is currently seated at the Father's right hand in heaven, rules and reigns from there, and will one day return to earth to settle all the score. His wrath, the wrath of the Lamb, as it says in Revelation, will be revealed upon the earth. Eric will finally be full of the glory of the Lord. Um, I did. I started on, on day 18 down a peculiar path. I'm sure it seemed peculiar at the time. I went into the book of Daniel and began to read prophecies from Daniel because they were messianic. I enjoyed going down that rabbit hole. Uh, one of these days, I will probably do a just a, a walk through a Bible study on the book of Daniel for the Dumble Speak because I think it'd be a good idea. It's, it's something I really enjoy. And then on day 19, so then I went to the book of Isaiah and I began journey through there. I eventually, I went to Jeremiah on day 22. And I'm sure when I went to, by the time we got through, because I didn't end Isaiah till day 21. Um, I'm sure there was, by then, that anyone that was still listening was probably thinking, we're never getting to the account of the birth of Christ. But in on day 22, I gave some of Jeremiah's Messianic prophecies. I only spent one day there. I could have done more. And then on day 23, just two days before Christmas, I mentioned some other Messianic prophecies in Micah, Zechariah, and Malachi, including some pretty famous passages from there. Finally, on Christmas Eve, I got into the genealogy of Christ. I read John 1, the prologue of John, verses 1 through 18. I thought that was important to go through. In the beginning was the word, the Lagos, and I thought it was important to read that one. Because he's always been. He's always been pre-incarnate. The incarnation was different. He became flesh and dwelt among us. And that's what Matthew's going to be telling us about starting in the 18th verse of chapter 1. And Luke will recount that in his second chapter of his gospel. So we wanted to lead up to that by giving you John's account first. Then Matthew chapter 1 verses 1 through 17. The genealogy of Christ as through his earthly father, his adopted father, the man who would, who, would, who would bring him up on the earth, who raised him, the husband of Mary, Joseph. So we start there with Abraham, and we get down to David, and that's 14 generations. We go from David to the Babylonian captivity, the fall of Jeconiah, and that's 14 generations. And then we go from the descendants of Jeconiah, Jacob, the father of Joseph, Joseph, the husband of Mary, the mother of Jesus. And that is how it's worded. On purpose, because Matthew's not claiming Joseph as the father of Jesus, because he will begin in the very next verse to explain to you how Mary, how Mary is visited by an angel and Joseph is visited by angels, and they're all there to tell him, and Gabriel's there to tell them that uh, don't don't be afraid, go ahead, get married. The child you're already pregnant, and the child you're being impregnated with is the Holy Son of God. He is Messiah, and the way of doing this is he goes through Solomon. Why? Because that makes him legally. As a adopted son, you're still a son. So as the adopted son of Joseph, and as the world rec recognizes him as the son of Joseph and Mary, right? If he's the son of Joseph, if Joseph's a legal descendant, obviously through a tainted bloodline, through Jeconiah, if, he's, if he is descended through Jeconiah, he's rightfully a messianic descendant. He could rightfully take, claim the throne of David. But God said no descendant of Jeconiah will ever sit on the throne. How is he getting around that? Next year, hopefully, we'll take a look at, 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 that, at that quandary. I don't want to go into too much detail this, this year, um, but we'll talk about that because it's important to see how God does it. And Luke does it, takes it from a different genealogy. So what we're going to look at there is his maternal genealogy. By the way, to this day, 
the majority of Jews reckon their genealogy as you're a Jew if your mother was a Jew. So if your mother was a full Jew, then by blood, you're a Jew, even if your father is a Gentile. You're a Jew if your mother is a Jew. So you can claim Jewishness through your mother. And there's lots of historical reasons for why that took place. But ironically, it fits with the Messiah because the Messiah was always going to be a Jew by birth of his mother. And his mother was also a descendant of David. And next year we'll cover that when we get to Luke's genealogy. Because I want to do this again next year and I'm going to do it a little differently next year. This year was just an experiment and a way for me to put out some quick uh, Advent readings because there was no way I was going to be able to do a full-scale theological breakdown. And I don't have the time to do it today either. But I did want to give you a, a brief overview of what I did and kind of why I did it the way, the way that I did. So on Christmas Day, the 25th, which was yesterday, I concluded it by looking at Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25, and then the the gift of the Magi, the visitation, what we call Epiphany, which would have been celebrated on the 12th, on 12th night, which is, or, or January, let's say January 6th, also called Old Christmas. It's got a lot of names and all of that. Then you, you would have knowledge of what I'm talking about. In the olden days, they, they had 12 days of Christmas, and the first day of Christmas was the 25th, and it went through the 12 days, and it ended on the visitation of the Magi. And this is all just traditional, because obviously, as long as it had been, and since we know that Herod was willing to kill all male children from two and under, just to be sure, and it was based on the reckoning of time that the star had appeared, and that the Magi had been traveling to get to him, and that's something we can talk about next year as well, then obviously... We're looking at a long period of time, anywhere probably from a year and a half to almost two years. That's why he was willing to kill so many babies. Uh, excuse my dogs. They're losing their minds right now. <laughs> I don't know if someone's pulled in the drive or what. I'll take a pause for just a second. Sorry about that, folks. I'm home alone today. My wife is um, working, and so I have two uh, dogs that are easily disturbed by any noise they hear. apologize for that sound. but. Anyway, I do hope that you enjoyed it, that you, that you at least listened to it, and you were trying to figure out where I was going, maybe. Uh, you may still be pondering why I did it the way I did, and I, all I can say is it was fun for me, and I enjoyed taking a sort of road trip, a little detour map around the Old Testament to lead us up to Messiah. And there were plenty more, believe me, there were plenty more uh, prophecies I could, have, I could have used in other stories as well. Again, even the one about the curse on Jeconiah. And his descendants. I could have used that. And uh, maybe next year I will do Advent a little differently. The thing is, I only thought of doing this about the week of Thanksgiving. And I started recording that weekend. And I recorded the first four or five days on one afternoon. The same afternoon that I recorded the uh, my reminiscences about my solo episode that was reminiscences about Thanksgiving's past. Uh, so that was all on the Sunday following Thanksgiving, I believe that was November 25th or 26th of 2023, uh, whatever day that, I think that's what the day it was. Um, I will give you a, a brief correction on something I said in that episode. I was listening to it. I actually went back and listened to that episode just this past week as sort of a, one of my ways of, of, of doing Christmas was I'll listen to podcast episodes about holidays of various podcasts I listen to, and uh, I listened to one of ours. I listened to the one on Thanksgiving that I did by myself about a month ago. And I will say I found something I did wrong. I stated that my father's birthday was November 24th. It's November 26th, 1938. So I apologize for that. 
<laughs> and so one of my sisters corrected me since that recording that uh, I was talking about it. And she said, no, that's that's not his birthday. His birthday's the 26th. So my apologies to my, my late father. Folks, I hope you did have a blessed and happy Christmas. And I hope you will have a blessed and happy New Year. Every year has its ups and downs, its highs, its lows, its mountains and valleys. And, you know, 2023, not as bad as 2020, but, man, disturbing in so many other aspects. There are things we didn't even cover this year. So many bad things occurred in the whole idea of the fight for life with abortion. Last year, I was looking, things were looking up after Roe v. Wade. I should have known better because this country is so steeped in its sin and its love for the destruction of unborn life that I should have known we, we, the fights would be brutal and that we would lose some. And honestly, so far, we've lost nearly all of them including in my own home state. So it's, it's disturbing and, and can be, it can set you back. It can make you a little depressed sometimes, but I try not to think, you just got to keep fighting. I try not to let it get me down. You just got to keep going and stand for life. Um, also, the invasion in October, October 6th by, um, or was it the 7th? You know, you'd think that, would, that day would be ingrained in my mind as many times as I hear about it on news and podcasts and conversations. Maybe it was October 7th. Forget me, I'm getting old and see now, but uh, everybody knows what I'm getting ready to talk about, the Hamas invasion of uh, a good portion of uh, it, the border of Israel and what occurred there. You know, we, we just have to be in prayer for that region. We need to be in prayer for Israel and for the Arabs, the Palestinian Arabs that, that live there as well. Um, all of them need Jesus, just like we all do. That's honestly what they need. They need it. A full understanding of what Christmas is all about. I could have made a joke there about the Charlie Brown special, but I won't. But if you want to cue the spotlight, I'll be Linus for a moment and say everything is about the fact that God sent his only son to save those that were lost. And we are all lost and undone without him. So I'm thankful most of all for, for, for Jesus, the real reason for Christmas. And I am uh, very thankful for my family and I will give you an update on my daughter-in-law it does appear that she will be able to come home soon she spoke with my wife just today and when my wife came home for lunch from work because we just live about five minutes from where she works she told me that that my daughter-in-law is under the impression that she may and I say may may get to go home tomorrow as early as tomorrow um, on Wednesday so I, I hope that's the case and I'll be back to work tomorrow at my new job on Wednesday. And um, keep us in your prayers, uh, especially my, my son and my daughter-in-law, Colin Kaylee. Pray for them in that situation. And I ask that you continue to say prayers for this, this ministry. I do feel it's a ministry for Chalen and I. We love you and we thank you for being loyal and listening to us as often as you do. We appreciate you. I'll say it one more, one last final time. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. God bless.